April 24th, 2023. Keep up to date with the important happenings in the Go community in just 15 minutes per week. I'm your co-host, Jonathan Hall. And I'm your co-host, Shai Nachmad. What's up, Jonathan? Everything hey, okay with you and your equipment? No, it's not. I'm a, I'm a Linux user, and this morning I came into my office to discover my computer was not powered on, and it's usually on all the time. So I powered it on, and it won't boot. My encrypted disks are possibly corrupted. So when we're done recording, I'm going to go try to debug that. And hopefully I won't be reinstalling my entire operating system. Well, I guess uh, the song was right. These boots were made for walking all over you. That's right. <laughs> well, at least you, you, know, you fulfilled the, the obligatory, how do you know someone's a Linux user? Don't worry, they'll tell them, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they'll tell exactly. you. Um, so you covered like, I don't know, 400 listeners in one, uh, <laughs> in one episode. Uh, all right. We have a ton of stuff to get into today and an interesting interview after the break. Uh, so let's get started with the, you know, this week's news. What's urgent, Jonathan? Well, what's, what do I need to know right now? Yeah, right now you need to know that you need to send your call for paper uh, proposal to GoForCon Brazil. I know you're going to be in Brazil September 22nd and 23rd and would love to be presenting at GoForCon Brazil. Or if maybe it's not you, Shai, maybe someone else listening describes them, they should definitely present their, their call for paper. So we have call for paper for GoForCon Brazil. Uh, like always, when we mention a call for papers, uh, if you're on the fence, you have something to talk about, but you're not sure it's good enough, it's good enough. Hand it in. Definitely. There's nothing you could lose. Um, there's also call for papers for uh, Go Lab 2023, right? It's yeah, that one's until 20, uh, May 21st, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the GoForCon Brazil CFP is until May 3rd. Yeah, and GoLab is in Italy. So if Brazil is less uh, your thing, uh, you're more in the uh, you're more European than uh, Florence, Italy, November nineteenth uh, to November twenty one. Uh, what else is going on? So I think that's uh, that covers it for conferences. But we have a ton happening uh, with the development of Go, which will become one point twenty one. We have a lot to talk about with regard to some updates there. Some proposals that have been proposed and, and are getting some good discussion. I think the first one uh, is probably uh, about the IOFS proposal to add a writable interface. Um, many of you will recall that in Go 1.16, they added uh, the FS package with uh, sort of a file system wrapper to read things. And uh, that's standard now. That's, that's what enabled the embed capability in Go 1.16. Uh, and it's been incorporated into HTTP wrappers and a whole bunch of different things. They're talking about extending that, and they have been for quite some time, extending that to be writable as well. And this last week, um, I mean, this, this issue's been open for a couple of years, uh, since before 1.16 came out, I believe. But this last week, uh, Russ Cox asked if anybody has examples in the wild of people using their own implementation of an abstract file system writer interface they would love to have that added to the issue so that they can compare that uh, and, and see if this is actually something to add to the, this, to the standard library. There's been a lot of discussion on it, some back and forth, a lot of bike shedding, but some useful information, useful discussion as well. But I wanted to really point this out because if you have a project at your work or on an open source project anywhere that uses a writable abstraction interface, uh, this would be a great time to go add that to that uh, to that uh, issue so that the Go community can consider your use case 
when they're trying to design this interface and decide, in fact, whether or not to include it in the standard library. In one of the GopherCons I was at, um, Liri Sokol, who's a great open source developer uh, who's doing a lot of work around Go, used this new interface to create a totally version-controlled file system. Like you can go to uh, folders and it goes to versions uh, and you can move forward and backward in time and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll reach out to her to, to point it out in the discussion. But it looks like a super lively discussion. Tons yes. of comments. 137 comments. Damn. I'm subscribed to this one just because it interests me so much. And my mobile phone is kind of exploding with these messages throughout the day. Yeah, maybe that's why your hard drive crashed. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to bring it up again and again. It's just so funny. Um, other stuff in uh, Go 121. Uh, one thing we talked about in the past, so I'll just briefly mention, uh, LoopVar, which uh, we all know and hate. Um, briefly, the when you have a for loop and it uh, goes over, uh, you know, basically the u- most uh, normal use case, uh, or I guess the most prevalent use case I'm talking about, is when you want to uh, loop over a range of items and then you or range of anything and then you want to append the pointer to that item um, it has a problem and the variable is per loop not per iteration so what you have in the for in the line that says for mm, item you have to redefine it which leads to this really annoying uh, item walrus operator item uh, which is a very annoying gotcha uh, in a lot of uh, go code that you just sort of have to learn uh, and then remember it and then groan every time you have to fix it fixing it you know is a breaking change so you can't really do it uh, in without a, a major version right you won't do it in a patch no one would do that right Jonathan no of course not <laughs> um, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Yes. Uh, but the team has been working on uh, a flag for the compiler called Go Experiment equals LoopVar. That proposal has been accepted, uh, and it's. I would bet that it's already going into one twenty one. Um, which yeah, in is fact, a, it it has been merged. So yes, it's definitely going into one twenty one. Yeah, I hope it won't cause any you know weird breaking changes when they yeah, test out one twenty one because it's right. it's complicated to change something that fundamental. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully starting one twenty one, you could do go experiment equals loop var in your compile uh, flags and and move all that weird code. And I assume you know a few months after that, there's already going to be a linter that's going to be like a loop var. Uh, linter in Golang CI lint, which points out all the places that still use this um, weird structure and will suggest uh, for you to fix it. Yep. So, it, you know, if you're looking forward to 121, this, this is one of the things you have to have in your to-do list when you, once you upgrade um, 121. Um, talking about breaking changes... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is the nicest way to introduce uh, this news item. <laughs> Find a yeah. nicer way, Jonathan. Okay, so uh, we've talked about this project before. Gitte, G-I-T-E-A, lets you host uh, your own sort of Git server. Um, and they have a new release out, version 1.19.1. Um, the odd thing is that it's 
the top of the release file mentions it's a breaking change. Uh, I think it's a pretty minor breaking change. Um, but so strictly speaking, it's not following Semver, whatever. Cast a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're just shade, poking but, some fun at at you, yeah. Gitty, because we're a coffee based, uh, you know, news <laughs> yes. program. If, if if they were calling it Get Coffee, we wouldn't have any problem with them mm-hmm. violating Semver all day long. But anyway, it's it's worth checking out. There's a bunch of enhancements, uh, which I'm not going to go into all the details. Uh, but if you are a user of this project, you probably want to update. Uh, but beware of the breaking change. Um, basically, actions have been renamed to repo.actions. I don't actually know how that affects anything. Um, but but I guess it would control. break your code the moment you upgrade. So Probably, yeah. Um, worth yeah. doing that on purpose. It does come with a bunch of enhancements, bunch of uh, bug fixes, um, and even some translations, uh, which is really, really cool. Something else we talked about in the past is S-log. Structured logging, which has gotten a lot of um, a lot of people are are interested. A lot of people are contributing. Um, there are two things that were accepted, and we specifically want to highlight uh, adding vet checks for variadic inputs. Um, mm-hmm. What? L- let's start with what this uh, vet check does. Well, John. so yeah, <laughs> there's a funny API. Uh, in in the S log proposal, um, I shouldn't say proposal. It's it's actively being developed, and it's going to be in part of one twenty one. But you can, uh, if you've used any structured logging library, you probably are accustomed to the idea of adding key value pairs to your logs. Which and there's different the libraries. End, that uh, different when libraries. it goes into the final log line, it's key value in the output JSON. Which then gets translated mm-hmm. into facets or measures in your Datadog or whatever ground cover. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you use Logris, it uses a, a literal uh, map of string to empty interface, so you can you know do that. That's pretty standard. But other libraries, I think Zap, um, and, and there's a few others. They basically use a variadic uh, argument, and they expect an even numbered. Uh, an even number of arguments, and the, so every odd numbered one is the key, and every even numbered one is the value. Uh, but this leads to problems, and and and, and so S log has taken a similar approach. It's actually more complicated than that. <laughs> um, but it, it, it basically you can pass in ev- either key value pairs as two of the variadic arguments, or a sort of wrapped value that contains both a key and a value. But this. Uh, in either version of that, you have this potential problem that what if you forget the key or the value or you accidentally put an odd-numbered uh, number of, of arguments, you end up with this weird thing that, you know, is this a key or is it a value? Well, S-Log has a definitive answer to that, and that is if you get an odd-numbered thing, it becomes a value with a key of exclamation bad key, I think, something like that. Yeah. But but the vet check helps to ensure that you have the right number of values in, the, in the, your variadic inputs. At the right number and the right type, because you can't yeah. use, uh, for example, uh, int as a string value to the key. Right. The key has to be a, a string. Right. This proposal has been accepted and it's actively being developed. One of the interesting things about it is I, 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 find, I think it's good, but uh, a lot of people don't like the API. Um, because they, you know, it, it, like you like to phrase it, it's a foot gun, right? Yeah. Um, 
the variadic uh, input, it's comfortable, it's easy to use, uh, but I wouldn't call it ergonomic. It's not super healthy. Um, yeah. So I think it's probably the shortest uh, code you could get, which is important for logs, which you have all over your code, but they're usually not part of the business logic. Um, one of the things we discussed uh, was this proposal in our Slack channel, which is a good place to shout it out. Uh, Joe Davidson, uh, if you remember, he's the person behind XC, which is a markdown task runner, which we've discussed uh, on the show uh, in the past, um, started a discussion about this API, uh, whether we like it, whether we don't like it, uh, and how it's similar to uh, Zap, which is another logging library. Uh, and Akshay Shah, who actually wrote Zap, um, gave his opinion on it, where he said, he bike shedded this issue forever um, and just ended up taking the var args API from log 15 um, since in Uber they ran a centrally managed set of linters and vet checks and it was good enough. You have enough tooling to allow yourself to use uh, this sort of unsafe API. Mm -hmm. And with this vet check, I think everybody can start enjoying that uh, that level of uh, you know tooling and development around logging, which is important. Yes, I'm glad it's part of the official GoVet rather than a third party uh, linter because that makes it more likely to be used frequently. Yes, and so and last for today, let's talk about uh, the proposal to add the context.merge function. Uh, I think we talked about this if maybe a month or two ago. Uh, the idea was to be able to take two contexts and merge them together, and the Proposal has been declined, although not necessarily forever. Uh, it's essentially on hold. Uh, if you'll recall something else we've talked about in the past, that's the context.afterfunk that we thought might make more sense to be called uh, do on or, or on, on done or whatever. Um, but the, the idea for context.merge is to wait until after that has been running in the wild for a while and get some feedback on this afterfunk and see if that either solves the problem of merging context or at least changes the nature of it enough that this proposal might might be re, uh, resurfaced but in a different form so they didn't feel like it made sense to do both of these roughly at the same time because they kind of have an overlap and they might inter, inter, interact with each other in, in odd ways i think that context doesn't get enough uh love from you know go by example or you know all these Intros to Go, they, they make the language look very simple, and the language really does not have a lot of keywords and a lot of structures that you need to learn, but you have to learn context. Um, and making it more complex with merging, after funk, on done, and whatever, I think it's good that you know, the, the team is doing it very carefully and not just pushing a ton of features into this already sort of busy and often misused uh, structure. I appreciate the, the, how difficult it is to make changes to the library, standard library and to the main language. Because I've worked with some other languages that just sort of adopt every new feature they come across and then they have to backtrack and that, that's always hard, uh, hard and painful. And also makes it just harder to understand and learn the language. You have a bunch of ways to do every, you know, everything. All right, so mm -hmm. this wraps it up for the news this week. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff we wanted to talk about, but we want to stay uh, within the time span. Uh, so we'll keep it on the back burner for next week. Uh, thanks for listening. After the ad break, we're going to have a super interesting interview with Fraser and Callum from GoTech, 
something a bit different this time. Um, they are a recruitment agency. Um, so we're going to talk about the market and job interviews and stuff like that. So if that interests you, uh, stick around after the ad break. Great. Talk to you in a few minutes. Hi, welcome to our ad break. Um, this is a good place to take a breather before the interview. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us about what we mentioned in the show, uh, you can find us on cupogo.dev. That's our site. You can also talk to us in the Gopher Slack, hashtag cupago, that's kebab case with hyphens, or even email us at news at cupago.dev. That is news at cupago.dev. A few uh, updates. So we're back on schedule. Uh, and one of the things we posted last week or maybe the week before that um, was a survey about swag. Looks like the people want it. So uh, we're going to post a link this week to where you can buy your Cupago cups. Yay. You're only permitted to put coffee in them. Uh, we will put sensors in the cups. You measure if you're using it for anything else. And you're only allowed to code in Go while you're drinking from the cup, too. If you try to use Python or, or Rust, the cup will explode. Yeah, it's sort of a mission impossible thing with, you know, the self-destroying self messages. Um, so in the same way that your code base is going to explode if you don't use any, if you use language that's not Go. <laughs> you know, I've been interviewing you right now, and it's really hard to, yeah, our entire backend is in Python. <gasps> No. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, we love other languages, just uh, a bit less. <laughs> um, if you like the show, please leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also share it with uh, your co-workers, co-students, or just gophers in your area. Uh, it really helps out. And stick around after this brief musical uh, you know, intermission for our interview with uh, Fraser and Callum from GoTech. Looking forward to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from the ad break. Uh, we're very excited to host Fraser and Callum from GoTech here. Hi, guys. Nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to How are you? I'm doing well. As you know, from the last 25 minutes, we've been waiting for Jonathan. And I'm editing the show today, so I'll be able to keep it in, Jonathan. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right, so if uh, our listeners remember, a few months ago, I was uh, speaking at GopherCon Israel, and uh, one of the people I met, you know, in the waiting for the, in the food lines, uh, <laughs> waiting for the beer uh, after the talks was Fraser. Um, we got to know each other, and Fraser told me about Kotec, uh, and here we are. So... Let's start, guys, with you introducing yourselves. What's your deal, and what's GoTech deal? Cool. No, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting us onto the uh, the show, Jonathan, um, and uh, and Shay. Obviously, very much um, appreciate that. Um, but look, just to give you uh, and the listeners, obviously, a quick overview of us. Um, we are GoTech. We specialize in the placement of GoLang professionals, um, you know, across Europe, um, well, not just Europe, the world. Um, my name's Callum um, Williams. I'm the director here. Um, and Fraser Williams as well. Um, actually, brothers as well. 
<laughs> no <Yeah>. way. <laughs> we don't look the same, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is an audio show, so this is not gonna carry. Oh, it's right then. At the risk of being a bit, um, you know, a bit stereotypical, Fraser on the left sort of looks like the. I don't know. I would say the business version of Ron Weasley. <laughs> very, very orangey kind of person. <laughs> and Callum just looks like a straight football uh, coach. <laughs> and definitely not similar at all. But all right. That's a nice no, surprise. Yeah, we do. Uh, Family we do. business. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I think, yeah, I was, I was in the recruitment industry uh, a little bit before Fraser. And then, um, you know, he decided that he wanted to, uh, to jump on board when we started started go tech so um, so he saw yeah. your success and decided it was time to join basically yeah. pretty much yeah, yeah. pretty much yeah. <laughs> it's actually come from a yeah a plumbing background um and then uh, an unfortunate industry injury and um callum thankfully started a business so yeah. come and yeah three years later still been within the market so it's uh yeah going well yeah here we are that's awesome for the before we started the recording i asked you how many people you know, you've placed how many roles you've filled and it's yeah. over a hundred. So yeah. this is not like some, you know, oh, I'll hook up some of my friends kind of thing. This is a real uh, business. Yeah. Uh, our listeners are mostly Go developers and the people we interviewed so far were so far uh, mostly Go developers. Um, yeah. And Jonathan, and I thought it would be super interesting to ask you all some questions about, you know, the hiring landscape right now, what's going on with the market. We all know that it's not great. <laughs> Um, yeah. so I think the, at least my first question was uh, what could give someone an edge? You have a list of papers on your desk, right? Who's number one and why? Yeah. Well, look, I suppose apart from the very obvious, um, kind of points around, you know, years you worked with go, what sort of companies you've worked for, um, what industries, etc. I think one of the biggest things that we're or I'm personally seeing at the minute with my clients is someone being a cultural fit as well as um, obviously fitting the job description on a technical basis as well. Um, more often now, are we seeing people, you know, actually fail interview processes because they don't necessarily fit um, or are not coming across on the interview process that they would be a good cultural fit within the business? Um, whether that be, you know, people not. Um, you know, kind of coming across enthusiastic or they're involved within the Go community, um, et cetera, on the interview process. But um, it just seems like more and more companies nowadays are, you know, classing this cultural exercise or they do within the interview process as a very important stage too. Um, you know, so I'd want to stress that to obviously, you know, the listeners that that would be, you know, something to very much, you know, kind of think about when interviewing too. How, how would you practice that? How would you recommend, let's say I'm uh, coming to GoTech and I'm like, oh my God, I have uh, 20 rejections. They all say I'm not a culture fit. Um, other than the fact, you know, I described the uh, Fraser, I described you. I basically look like a cleaned up version of Bin Laden. Other than the <laughs> fact that that's how I look. Um, how would you help me, you know, practice my culture fit? Um, look, it's a, it's a very good question, I suppose. Um, and sometimes it just comes down to, to people's personalities um etc right but um maybe taking a, a think about um 
It's a very good question, in all well, honesty. I'll... Things such as, obviously, look, your, your research behind the business before you even go into to that process to begin with as such, what you know about the business, why you want to work for that business, they're going to give you pointers yourself as to sort of what the culture is going to be like within that company. And you're going to be able to base that yourself with you thinking... I mean, at the same time, you're going to be interviewing that company as well. So you want to make sure that culture is right for your personality type. A culture fit is realistically a personality test as such. So mm. you might be fit the bill for, for one company and not the other one based on culture and based on who is already working within that business. Um, yeah, so one thing I've been feeling, I'm looking for a job right now as well, um, is that looking up the your hiring manager and looking up your who's going to interview you on LinkedIn. Um, you know, even just, it doesn't have to be a super creepy, you have to set up a binoculars outside their window kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, just research just them on, in LinkedIn 15, 20 minutes before the interview, know what companies they work for, know what kind of experience uh, you're going into. Um, yeah. That could get, could give an edge as well. People like it when you, when you know them, they're flattered. Yeah, for sure. Just to add on that, Shay, if uh, if you are working with a recruiter who's not, you know, giving you those details, then um, you shouldn't be working with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm currently going solo, but I might. Uh, I'm <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of, of from juniors who are trying to get a go job. I'm curious what you've seen with regard to that, and uh, especially now with the the way that the market is kind of on its head right now. But you know, in both both in general. And specifically in the last few months, do you see many placements for entry-level Go developers? Maybe they had experience in, in Python or Java or something and they want to switch to Go. Or, or maybe they're completely fresh out of university. What, what, what do you see in that regard? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that there's a fair few, obviously, junior entry-level jobs out there. A lot of people, a lot of companies will be taking not expecting much Go experience. They want people coming from uh, maybe, let's say, a Python background or, or whatever, and maybe they could be a senior within that and then maybe filling into like a, a mid-level role uh, or a mid, sorry, filling into a, a junior role because they've not got that professional or commercial Golang experience there. Um, so they're going to be taking people from different backgrounds. But there's 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 a lot of companies that are obviously turning towards Golang now um, in which there is opening up a lot more entry-level jobs on that front. Yeah. And one thing I, I would add on that, we're quite lucky, um, I'd say, within the, the junior kind of Go community in the UK. Um, there are three or four businesses that I can personally think of off the top of my head that actually have um, Golang kind of workshops or Golang um, training schemes within the business. You know, so you come in as a junior um, developer and, and be given um, training around Golang from, um, from your very first day. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if there's other businesses out there that, that kind of do similar things to that. So so I'm curious if you can offer any advice to, uh, you know, people who are new to Go. Maybe, they're, maybe they've been playing with it uh, on, as a hobby project or they're just, whatever. They're interested in learning. They're interested in getting a job, their first job as a Go developer. Um, other than reaching out to you, obviously, if they're in the areas you work, uh, how, what general approaches can be taken? How do you get noticed? Because there's a sea of people looking for these jobs. How do you stand out? Yeah. 
I would say um, two big things, really, obviously being involved in the, the sort of the open source communities and things like that, um, adding to different GitHub repos, that sort of stuff. Um, but biggest thing I would say is probably being involved in the community in terms of attending meetups um, and things like that. So we're lucky here in London. We've got the, the London Gophers, which is one of the, the biggest Golang meetups um, that happens once a month, um, in which there is all sorts of people in attendance there. Obviously, myself, I've, I've been to, to multiple different ones. There's different recruiters there, but not only recruiters, you're going to be speaking with potential hiring managers um, who are obviously working within the businesses themselves that are needing junior devs and things like that. So just getting your face out there, meeting new people um, and all those sorts of things, just being involved in that community there is going to be, I'd say, the biggest standout point in getting your name out there and helping yourself. And to flip that question on its head, um, let's say I'm a hiring manager or let's say I'm you guys, right? And I need to, I'm getting someone, he's enthusiastic, wants to be a junior dev. How do you filter out people who you think could do it? I, I think everyone can do it, but you know, some people are, are a better fit uh, than others in day one. How do you, I don't know, I don't want to really say filter, but how do you rank you know, people who knock on your door um, in terms of potential? Yeah. So we, we always kind of try and work backwards, as we say, right? So we would obviously firstly be taking, you know, when a CV comes across our desk, um, you know, what kind of training has this person done? Where did they, where did they study? Um, what companies have they already worked for? You know, who are they rubbing shoulders with on a, on a regular basis? Um, you know, not just, you know, their, their peers or their, their engineer managers, their, you know, senior principal staff level engineers that they may have worked with in the past too. Um, so I'd say, yeah, we're working backwards, um, you know, when looking at the, the CV is always our first kind of point of call. And I, I guess that look, you're looking at a ton of CVs, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it better to have a differentiated one or a one that's very easy to parse? I mean, short and sweet is normally the, the way forward. Obviously, people, if they're, they're sending over a 10-page CV, if you're putting that in front of a hiring manager or something like that, then they're not going to be taking into account half of the stuff in there. They want to see the, the important things, obviously, where you've been working with Golang, the types of projects you've worked on, what other tools you've used alongside that. Um, and if it's short, sweet, straight to the point, um, and in a, a standout manner, then I feel like just on a, on a visual basis, then that's going to catch the eye of a, of a hiring manager to begin with. Um, and then things like we said, such as uh, the peers you've worked alongside, the different companies you've worked for, where you learned your trade. Um, and then, like I said before, on the, the open source side of things as well, if you're heavily involved in that sort of stuff. All right. I think I'll send over my CV to, to you all so you can vet it. <laughs> that would be interesting. Perfect. Uh, one thing I saw around LinkedIn uh, from someone I follow, who will stay unnamed, is that one thing that they can appreciate about the ridiculous level of AI hype these days mm -hmm. uh, is that they've forgotten about the ridiculous levels of blockchain hype that preceded it. Jonathan, yeah. did you see that post? I did see that. Yeah, it looks like it's been getting a lot of traction. Um, yeah, Jonathan is, uh, is uh, complaining on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> which at least is nicer because it keeps the whole, you know, the amazing post. Today, I walked to the office and I saw that. <laughs> I, at least uh, keeps these posts away. 
yeah. but uh, you know to to turn that uh complaining into a question what verticals are are big right now i assume that when you opened gotech um many go devs were aimed toward companies who do web3 and crypto is this something that you've been seeing lessen over the last few months what verticals are rising what sort of business vertical do i need to know if i want to get a job right now yeah no it's a, it's a great question um i don't think the hype around web3 crypto blockchain has gone away at all um in all honesty um some of the the bigger customers that we're working with right now in terms of like vacancies are all very much within that vertical um so i, I personally don't think that 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 hype has gone away um at all Would and there say? are a lot of go roles in uh, web3 right yes yes a lot um and the the brilliant thing with these like companies that we're working with they're all very much on a um remote basis or 100 remote companies right so let's say you know the the company's based in finland um you know there's even you're able to place people from you know america um australia you name it if these people are happy to kind of work the the crossover in terms of working hours you know the market is wide open as to where you can place these people from and other than web3 what are the like big uh, you know businesses or or the business gaming, types i guess i would say yeah the, i'd say the yeah. the gaming um and fintech side are, are probably up there of the with the the most i mean the gaming side is obviously the reason people use golang um, obviously like we said before we're not the most technical people in the world but from the the conversations we have the the speed of golang the the ease of use um, those sorts of things the gaming companies are all over that um, and well the, the way that market is probably not going anywhere for a long time um, is there's there's quite a lot of vacancies within that side of things as well so well that's great um, there are a lot of vacancies and Uh, but just in all honesty are there fewer open roles than there were you know a year ago yes Has the market actually cooled down or is it just uh looks bad no the, the market has cooled down um, there's certainly fewer vacancies and there's certainly more people on the market who are looking for um, you know a, a new role a new job obviously you know when the big companies were making cuts you know obviously fills the the market with a lot of Um, you know extra people looking for for jobs who no, wouldn't necessarily be um, or weren't necessarily planning on having to look for a new role um, but to answer your question yes that the market has certainly cooled down but I would say um, the last kind of two weeks or so certainly since um, you know the new financial year um, you know here here in the UK there has been a an increase in the You know kind of vacancies being posted across job boards LinkedIn um, the slack channels etc too again so hopefully um, we're at the back end of that and we're now starting to see the uh, the increase that we're all hoping for mm-hmm. excuse my ignorance a new financial year I know that there's a Chinese year and a Gregorian year yeah so the uh, the financial year in the UK runs from April um, till March um, so we're now in financial year 2023 to 2024. okay so hiring managers will be given you know new budgets um, oh I get that recruits um, and obviously once they have 
you know access to that new budget the first thing many hiring managers think of is okay who can i who can i hire um what can i spend with agencies etc um so yeah do you All work right. mostly in the uk i think you mentioned europe and around the world but look just give me a sense for which of our listeners should contact you if they're looking for work right now yeah um, they, if, if they're based anywhere in the world, they should contact us. Um, okay. Obviously, look, we are we're based in the UK. Um, our you know general office hours are eight until five pm. Um, you know, it doesn't mean we're not working after five pm. Um, all of our customers are based you know kind of globally. We've got you know customers on the east coast of America. Um, you know, all across the Nordics, Germany, Austria. Um, you know, even as far as Singapore, we've had um you know customers on, on that side of the world so um right. yeah to answer your question anyone looking for a role in go should should contact us because i'm sure we'll have have something and that we'll uh, simple, post the contact information in the show notes for you all yes of course sure. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yep. so what you're saying is that martians are not welcome <laughs> if you're based in the world uh, we can we can give it a try. Um, but, uh, yeah. Not too sure how they'll uh, they'll invoice and get paid, but uh. yeah. they may not fit on a cultural basis. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I I sent I uh, Jonathan I think I sent you that link, but um, you talked about we talked about the fiscal year. There's obviously a lot of bugs with time zones, setting up times, daylight saving time, and whatever. Now with uh, humanity setting up bases on uh, on the moon and Mars, there are standards for moon time and and mars time and you know how we how you sync it up to earth time even how do you know how to set up a meeting <laughs> that's a very good question um i hope it will be relevant in our lifetimes i don't know i'm i'm optimistic about that that sort of stuff yeah um other than people contacting you and you finding uh people through uh meetups where else do you source candidates um well the the obvious and, and biggest one for us is is linkedin um, you know, we like to, to have a, as big of a presence on LinkedIn um, as possible. Um, you know, we obviously we get a certain amount of in-mails every month, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners will have received uh, an in-mail from us at some point. Um, but there's also, a you know, a very good Slack um, community, Slack channel that we're um, heavily a part of as well. All of the live vacancies that we have as soon as we get that live vacancy we're posting it in the, the slack channel for people to to see too i would also um, say that um sort of referrals would mm. be a massive one um whether you let's say you, you've placed uh, a great engineer at a company you've got that relationship with their that person there you can trust that person people they're going to be putting across to represent by themselves it's going to be a trusted referral so nine times out of ten if uh, a candidate you've placed they're referring somebody they've worked with or their friend for that matter they're they're normally pretty up there with a with a good standard so yeah. it's a, a good good method that way sure. well, once you've placed someone uh how do you gauge how do you and, and your and the client gauge good fit and 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 I, I guess what i'm trying to get at is what kind of track record do you have with with placing candidates and how um yeah how, how does that work over the long term and you know it's relatively easy i think to to place a random candidate but yeah. are they a good fit and of course your customers come back to you again and again if you give them good fits how do you gauge that yeah of course so what you'd be referring to maybe is um what we have in the recruitment industry for us is like a rebate period right so once we place someone within a role um it's generally within 
um, you know, the first three months that if things didn't work out, then obviously there would be a, a part of or the whole of the recruitment free to, to kind of place back. But mm-hmm. our kind of placement to to leaving record is is very good. Um, a lot of our customers have, you know, very rigorous or vigorous um, interview processes. Um, so very rarely do you get someone who, once they're placed into a role, will leave within you know, the first three months or so because of the interview process that, that most of our customers have in place. Um, we, we would always look to, to stay in contact with the candidate that we've placed for that initial period of them joining uh, as well. Obviously, keeping in touch, making sure they're happy, any concerns that are, have come up and things like that. If, if somebody's starting to, to wobble or they're not exactly enjoying that position they've been put into, we obviously have a good relationship with the client uh, and things like that, so we can help them out, maybe finding different areas within that same business. At the end of the day, they've joined that business for that business, so they, they like the product or whatever it is as a whole that they've joined for that reason. But let's say the team they go in, no, nobody knows what it's going to be like to work within a company until you're actually working within there. You can do all your background research and everything like that, but until you're actually within that business, you're not going to get the real idea of what it's like so then you can help them move to different areas of the business different teams and things like that so we'll always look to stay in contact and just make sure everything's all on track wow that's brilliant and to end i think it would be good to shout out your your website uh, i mean of course we'll put the contact details in the show notes too but uh, for anybody who's driving we don't want them checking that while they're driving uh, <laughs> how can they find you yeah um, no, yeah. So for anyone who's listening, um, please check us out on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn's where we've got the, the biggest presence and you'll be able to find um, both ourselves and anyone else who works um, at GoTech. So that's GoTech Recruit um, or just Go Space Tech um, on LinkedIn. We're a bit cool, so we spelt the tech T-E-K. Um, so yeah, check us out on there and obviously send us a connection request um, and we'll be more than happy to, to speak. Nice. All right. Um, usually we end the interviews with what's your favorite uh, feature of Go, but seeing that you mostly work with Go developers, what's your favorite feature of Go developers? What's great about these people? I think the the, the community as a whole and the way it's such a, a close, tight-knit um, community of developers. You see, obviously, the other communities out there, such as obviously the Java, JavaScript, things like that, they're, they're huge. Go is obviously a bit more tight-knit, um, closer together. People speak, everyone knows each other. So it's a, it's a good way to, once you've met one person, that opens the door to a whole host of, of other people within that community as well. So yeah, just the fact that it's so close-knit and friendly and where there's so many different meetups and things like that, you're able to, to get out and meet a lot of people. So for us as recruiters, that community is probably the best sensor of Golang for us. Good answer. Well, we, we met in a in a meetup in a conference. Exactly. Like, <laughs> that shows it. So, and here we are now, uh, a couple of months down the line, talking on, on your podcast. So it's obviously, yeah. yeah, that's one of the best things about it, I'd say. And, you know, we, we have to ask it as well. What's the worst thing about Go developers? What's your least favorite feature of these people? Ooh. You don't want to be too harsh. <laughs> you don't have to name names. There needs to be more of them. <laughs> more I, I get what you're saying. They, they don't look good enough to reproduce. <laughs> <laughs> We're not saying that. We're not saying that. No. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, just more people need to turn towards Golang uh, for everyone's benefit, for the companies out there and for, for us as recruiters. Well, that's great. Um, Fraser, Callum, thanks a lot for being on our show. Um, again, if you want to reach out to Fraser and Callum, uh, do it via LinkedIn, go tech recruit TEK. Um, I met the uh, Fraser and one of his other colleagues in a meetup uh, and they're really nice people. They're not just nice for the, for the podcast. They're nice <laughs> even when, you know, they're hungry and waiting for in line for food. So one of the most compromising positions you can find a person in. Uh, so if you're, uh, looking for a job and go, um, reach out to GoTech, they can probably help you out. And thanks a lot, guys. Brilliant. It's been great it's been having you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Shai. Thanks, Jonathan. All right. This will wrap it up for this week's episode of Cup of Go. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you all next week.